host of Feminist Buzzkills Live and founder and chief creative officer of Abortion Access Front, the producers of Operation Save Abortion. I'm so stoked you are jumping in to get more involved in abortion justice. OpSave, as we like to call this series, was originally done as a live stream training day with breakout sessions in between each panel discussion. If you want to see the videos, they're all up at OperationSaveAbortion.com. Now we've adopted that training day into this five-part podcast series, so folks have options to listen and learn in the medium they prefer. But I want to be clear, this isn't a podcast series that you'll listen to while you're cleaning out your closet. This is an interactive series. So you should probably listen up and you need to do some preparation. You might not listen to it today right now, but get together with your friends and make a plan to really do the work. So here's an overview and some tips to get the most out of your experience. First off, gather a crew of folks to listen to each episode who are fired up and ready to learn about abortion activism and who are ready to take action. Because each episode has a post-episode activity guide that you can find at operationsaveabortion.com or in our show notes. This activity guide will help you engage in discussions and activities relevant to each of the panel episodes. So listening and then interacting after, it's sort of like a book club, but with activities and direct actions that really help you get a deeper understanding of abortion activism and helps you find your place in the movement. Each episode has a different focus, patient support, clinic support, legislative and policy work, and direct action. And also, we open the entire series with a conversation about reproductive justice. Now, I want to make an important point to you. The goal with Operation Save Abortion is not to overwhelm you with everything that needs to be done. It's designed to give you a meaty orientation of what needs to be done so that you can learn about all the opportunities available and then choose which of these opportunities inspire you and that are compatible with your capacity to give time and to what's available in your area. Now, the first episode in the series, as I said, is about reproductive justice. And it's first intentionally, as we want you to learn about reproductive justice so you can root your activism in this framework and use that lens in every conversation and brainstorming session you have during this series and in all of your activism. The Operation Save Abortion series wants to take you beyond the march. As we like to say, you go to a march, but you build a movement. And this series wants to do the latter. So. Let's set some expectations. As I said, each episode is a broad overview. We're in it for the long game. So if you're looking for deep dives into specific areas where abortion advocacy intersects with other activism, like gender inclusion, disability and abortion rights, and white supremacy and abortion, there will be subsequent conversations and workshops on those and a variety of specific topics. So if it's trainings you're seeking say on self-managed abortion or safety protocols online and in-person doing direct actions, you won't be hearing those in this series. But here's what's cool. We have an activist calendar posted in the show notes and at operationsaveabortion.com. It's chock full of workshops, seminars, and actions and activities that will give you deeper dives into these specific areas and so many more. Plus, you can always listen to our regular podcast, Feminist Buzzkills Live, because we 
always do deep dives into those issues and will continue to do focused episodes on many specific areas of abortion justice and the intersections of so many issues. So make sure you like and subscribe to Feminist Buzzkills Live wherever you listen. After listening to the series, if you want to go deeper than just choosing events from the activist calendar, we will connect you to specific providers and patient advocacy groups in your area. But in order to do this, we require a vetting process. Why? Because we need to protect our movement from anti-abortion extremists who infiltrate and want to do harm to providers and patients. And it's really important that we make sure we know who you are and that you are here for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. So once we vetted you, we'll connect you to the groups who need your help. If you want to be vetted, you can check out the vetting form at Operation Save Abortion and also in our show notes. Now, And this is really important. Everything right now is absolute chaos. And you may not hear from organizations that you want to give your time to right away. So in the meantime, really utilize the activist calendar because it's full of amazing opportunities to get active and make change. Remember, we all need to be patient because this is a long-term commitment. So I'm going to give you some tips on how to make your activity sessions great. After you've listened to an episode, take notes during the episode. Super important because you'll be discussing your aha moments during the episode. So you want to write them down to bring them up in the discussions. You'll see that you need a whiteboard for your discussions. Make sure that when you write on that, take photos before you erase it and email them to yourself and your friends so you can further your discussions. And also make sure you check out the toolkits in the show notes. Make sure you download them before you start listening. Have a great time. Really, this is just the beginning of you building community and becoming the activist that you want to see. Are you ready? I feel like I'm ready. I am going to introduce our fantastic moderator. So you can't talk about abortion in a silo. And we wanted to ground this day as we talk about abortion advocacy using the framework of reproductive justice. If you've been using those two terms interchangeably, you're going to hear today why you shouldn't and do a reset on your own conversation. Abortion is just part of reproductive justice. And our first panel is going to dive into that and give you the framing to think about how you talk about your activism in your sessions today and how you bring it into the world going forward. We want to protect abortion access and ensure that all pregnancy outcomes are valued Because if we value bodily autonomy, that gives people the power. And as the wonderful people at the National Network of Abortion Fund say, abortion what? There we go. (laughs) So now I'm honored to introduce to you our moderator, who will introduce our incredible panelists. Please welcome from the National Network of Abortion Funds and somebody who sort of tanked it on throwing out the fucking theme, but whatever, we'll deal. Adaka, Utah. Have fun, guys! Liz, y'all, and everybody at Abortion Access Front that is just making all of this happen. It takes a village to do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of your love and labor in co-creating this space. Um, And thank you all for joining us, whether you're new to this movement, whether you are a veteran that's coming in, we need you. Welcome. Thank you for your presence and your commitment inside of this work. Um, My name is Adaku. I use all pronouns and I'm the organizing director at the National Network of Abortion Funds, where we get to build power with over 90 grassroots autonomous organizations um, and close to 5,000 individual members. Shout out to individual members and fund members who are watching up in this space. And we center folks who've had abortions by removing logistical, financial, cultural barriers that get in the way of folks being able to access abortions and also organizing at the intersections of racial, economic, and reproductive justice. I am 
so hype um, to be holding down these conversations with folks that I deeply respect and honor and who have been dedicating their lives to making sure that reproductive liberation is a reality now and into the future. Um, before we start this conversation, I want to give reverence and honor to the 12 Black women, the foremothers of the reproductive justice movement, who had the audacity, the courage, the precision, and the vision to come together in 1994 and form the women of African descent of reproductive justice and hold the Clinton administration to task, also holding the pro-choice movement and the women's right movement to task and saying that women of color, trans folks, non-binary folks, poor people, we deserve more than just focusing on choice. That we have to look at the systems of oppression, of violence that impacts how people are able to access care from race to gender to class to immigration status. All of these things impact how our folks are able to access dignified care and really honor and center our self-determination. Um, and they have cultivated this framework, which is rooted and seated in a lot of the work that we're going to be talking about today. So we honor them, folks like Loretta Ross, Tony Bond, um, Bisola Marengue, um, who've been doing this work for decades and have, in, have been informing how we do this work right now. And also shout out to the legacy of freedom fighters and organizers that are in our grandparents, um, folks who brought people into their kitchens, um, into their gardens, the healers, the abolitionists who've been doing the work of reproductive justice. Even before it was coined as a term, there have been folks who've been doing this work for decades. So shout out to y'all and your people, our people, who've been holding down this for a really long time. Um, reproductive justice, what is it we've been I have been, um, we have been saying the word, um, and I just want to offer the definition that Sister Song, which is also a reproductive justice organization based in Atlanta, shout out to folks in Atlanta, ATL, <laughs> um, Sister Song offers that reproductive justice is a human rights framework, y'all, that centers the right to have children to not have children and to parents the children that we have in communities that are sustainable, that are safer, that are trustworthy, and that really honor our sovereignty and bodily autonomy. So we got a fantastic panel. Let's get into it. I would love for y'all to introduce yourselves, share your name, pronoun, the organization that you are repping, what you do, and how you integrate reproductive justice in the work that you're doing right now. So we'll start with you. Well, good morning. I'm Dr. Yashika Robinson. I am the medical director of Alabama Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives in Huntsville, Alabama. We provide abortion care, both surgical and medical abortion, up to 20 weeks gestational age. We also are a training hub, training uh, residents, fellows, and nurse practitioner students, student midwives, and doulas um, in complex family planning and helping to care for patients um, throughout their reproductive span. We do other services, including contraceptive care, um, STD testing, and ultrasound, but our main focus is on abortion care. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Renee Bracey Sherman. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the founder and executive director of We Testify, yay, yay. which is an organization that is dedicated to the leadership and representation of people who have abortions. Yes. And I am an alum of the National Network Come of Abortion Fund. So we love great us. to be on this panel with my former coworker. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. My name is Aurea Bolaños Perea. I go by Aria 
for English speakers. She, her, ella pronouns. I am the Strategic Communications Director at Color Latina, which is a Colorado organization for Latina opportunity and reproductive rights. It's a long one, but we go by Color Latina. I'm repping from Denver, uh, Colorado. And we are the only Latina-led, Latina-serving reproductive justice organization in the state of Colorado and have been for over two decades. We do more than just advocate for access to reproductive health care. We are talking about the oppressions that are holding our Latina community back. And we don't only just stick to Colorado. Sometimes we do a lot of work with organizers in other parts of the country. And we are so proud of being doing that work and to continue to do it for another 20 years to come in this fight. Yes. I'm Kwajalein Jackson. I'm the executive director of Feminist Women's Health Center in Atlanta, Georgia. We are an independent abortion provider doing both medical and procedural abortion up to the gestational limit in Georgia, which is currently 22 weeks LMP. We also do uh, comprehensive gynecological care, trans health care, contraceptive services, STI testing. And in addition to our clinical care, we do outreach, education, advocacy, leadership development, and movement movement building out in the community. We've been providing abortion care in Georgia since 1976, and we intend to continue to do so in the face of all the things that try to put obstacles between people and the care that they so desperately need. Thank you so much for your work, y'all. It is hard out here in these streets, and y'all are working. I see y'all. Appreciate y'all so much. So reproductive justice is its own framework. There's also reproductive rights, reproductive health, abortion justice, abortion rights. There are all these different frameworks that are so necessary and crucial around how we dismantle and demolish reproductive oppression. Now, they're all important, and they're not the same thing. So can y'all break down what are some of the distinctions between these different strategies and constituents, and why is it it important that folks are not conflating all of these different frameworks together? And Kwajalein, we'll start with you. Sure. I like to start with reproductive justice because for me, it is the lens through which we can analyze the other two systems. They all work together, but to me, reproductive justice, understanding the complexities of people's lives, the ways that the identities they hold affect the ways that systemic oppression affects them, um, the ways that policies are built for them or against them, the ways that we receive healthcare, all of those things can be examined through a reproductive justice lens. And reproductive justice to me allows for so much space to talk about these other aligning issues like the environment, like economic issues, like housing justice. So I really appreciate the framework and the the thoughtfulness that our forebears brought to reproductive justice because it feels like it brings things into focus for me. Um, We're a healthcare provider and we're trying really hard to think about how do we provide healthcare through that reproductive justice lens? How do we center communities of color? How do we center blackness in abortion provision? And what do we need to adjust in order to make sure that those folks are truly at the center? Yeah, beautiful. I would also add that, um, because at We Testify, we work with people who've had abortions. So we are centering abortion, right? But that doesn't mean that that's the only reproductive experience that people talk about. Yes, our stories start with our abortion stories, but often 
There's the same people who were denied an abortion, Come on. who had a child at a young age, yeah. who have multiple children, right? Who've experienced sexual assault. Yeah. Like all of these things that, that impact our reproductive experiences are also part of our abortion stories. Absolutely. It's not just people who have abortions and people who have other pregnancy decisions. Mm-hmm. It's all of us oh. at different points of our lives. And all of that is impacted based on race, skin color, like how much melanin we got or don't got, right? Where we grew up, what languages we speak, where our families come from, whether we've been incarcerated, we're undocumented. All of those things matter. And so it's important that we talk about how all of this intersecting oppressions and privileges uh-huh. made our experiences what they are. And so I believe with a, with reproductive justice, using that lens when we share our abortion stories, we can get through that that whole, that myriad of experiences and, and intersecting um, lenses. Yeah. Beautiful. I find that when talking to when talking to people about the difference in reproductive justice and reproductive rights, I think one of the simplest things that people can really comprehend is when when I um, you know just simply say you know what good is a right if you cannot access it. And so uh-huh. when it comes down to the patients that I care for, I find that often there are so many other obstacles mm-hmm. that come into play, even though you know, up until the 24th, we did have the right to abortion care in Alabama, but there were still so many patients who couldn't access it for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And so just breaking down those social, political, and economic barriers that make it hard for people to still access those rights. That's right. I mean, for us, it's so important to also recognize what many of the folks here have already said. It's having access to health care. Yeah. Right. That's not a right in this country. That is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And when Color was founded, it's because we saw the rising deaths of our community due to um, STIs or HIV. And so our madrinas, our godmothers Uh got together and said, why is our community dying? Because they didn't have access to health care, because they lived in uh, clinic deserts Mm -hmm. and not much has changed in 24 years. And a lot of our community continues to be manipulated by pregnancy crisis centers, by legislators that tells, promise them one thing and doesn't do it, right? And so for Color and our re- the reproductive justice lens that we use is we need to understand the intersecting identities that our communities have and the ways that they are being held back, not by them, but by the systems that were not made for them in mind, Absolutely. right? Because we cannot have one more person die on our watch, yes. right? Yeah. Whew. That land. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also our folks are not just recipients of these services. Yeah. Our folks are leaders in this work. And one of the things I deeply respect about the organizations that y'all are co-creating is that you're making sure that black people, indigenous folks, people of color are at the center, leading, organizing, and making change around how we build collective power. So there's 10,000 of y'all up in this space and people want to know, like, how do we actually, this is a powerful framework that has guided so much of our work. How do we integrate this into the daily work that we're doing, whether it's in an organization or in a community? How do we integrate reproductive justice principles and practice inside of our work? And Renee, can we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. I actually think you first have to kind of reset your mind into a reproductive justice framework of thinking, right? Because it's kind of like when, when you had to reset with a defunding of police and an abolitionist framework, right? You have to look around your community and think about 
How often are we just inviting police into our homes, into our communities, into all of these things, right? Into our hospitals. How often are we doing this and how do we step back and not do that? Yes. And how do we not engage in that way, the way the system wants us to do, right? So that also looks like with reproductive justice, how is reproductive oppression operating not just for us, but others in our communities and that we are continuing to allow happen, right? What are you doing at your workplace to think about what are the reproductive justice leaning policies that you could enact in your workplace? How can you talk to your children about their bodies and consent, right? How can you bring it into the classroom? Really thinking about what does it mean to raise children, families, and and create a community in which reproductive justice is at the center? And I, I think we really all just need to take a look around and think about how we show up for one another yeah. um, and how we can change what happens in our daily lives. Right. Basically, beyond before we go beyond what our arms can reach, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, on a basic level, how do we integrate these two things? And I think about the patients that I care for and how we can do it on a very simple level, you know, um, at each clinic. It makes me think about an example of a patient that I had who came in to see me. She came for her first prenatal visit. Mm. And as we wrapped up her prenatal visit and we, and I was about to walk out of the room, um, the patient, she said, well, if I was home, I wouldn't be having this baby. And it made me, you know, take a step back. And I was like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. And then what she explained was she was from Chicago, where? She could access abortion care there with her Medicaid, but she was in Alabama where you can't use Medicaid funding for abortion. So she could only come for prenatal care. So now she was in my office having prenatal care that clearly she did not want, but that was the only option available to her. And so what I did was I talked to her about the fact that our clinic has a patient navigator. There are abortion funds that are available. So even though our Medicaid agency makes it difficult for her to access the services that she needed at that time, there were still organizations and people who cared about her. And so I can put you in touch with these organizations. So now you have the resource to end the pregnancy if that's what's best for you and your family at this time. You have your Medicaid in place at this point so you can continue your prenatal care if that's what you want. But now that you have these two, you can take a step back and think about what it is that you really want and make a decision based off of that and not just being pushed into one direction or another. And often we find that we have to be our own resource in our community. And so one of the things that we're doing at our clinic, you know, we have a navigator. We do have... Um, funds and we raise funds to be able to help patients access that care. But because there are people who, you know, are going to continue their pregnancy and that's part of what we're supposed to be able to talk about. We're training other um, healthcare professionals to be able to have this conversation with patients in a non-judgmental way. So when they do express concern about continuing their prenatal care or they come in and they have a pregnancy test and we're saying, oh, congratulations, but they say, I'm not happy about it, that we don't make them feel judged. Mm -hmm. We can have that conversation with them about their options and make it feel normal to them and then make sure they have the resource to exercise all of those options. So at our clinic, not only are we providing abortion care, but one of the things we're doing right now is working to open the first freestanding birth center in Alabama so that people who have birth can all options about how they birth in Alabama. Absolutely. Alabama is lucky. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh.
Um, I think what I would encourage folks to do is, you know, to Renee's point, relationships, I think, is a really key factor in understanding other experiences beyond your own. I think having a broader view of how other people may be facing obstacles that you're not facing, other people might have complexity in their lives that you have not experienced. But the other resource is to look at the like litany of academic research, of scholarship. There's so much information that I would encourage folks to deepen their understanding of reproductive justice, of black feminisms, of the ways that we can expand our analysis around why these systems are functioning the way that they are, what the intended purpose is, how these things are cyclical and have been repeated over generations. Um, So I really, I often tell people, if you want to understand some of the, the things that are being experienced and faced by Black people specifically in reproductive spaces. Reading Dr. Dorothy Roberts' Killing the Black Body, it is not a fun read, but it is a critical text to help to understand how, through many methods, um, people have used reproductive violence to control a population. And we're seeing those things happen again and again and again. The other thing that I would really recommend is just like, why guess when you can ask? Um, <laughs> I, I am, why guess That's when true. you can ask? So if you feel like you, like these concepts feel confusing, again, talking to people who are the experts in reproductive justice, getting plugged into organizations like Sister Song, um, like Spark Reproductive Justice Now, like the National Latina Institute, who are grounded in reproductive justice and have tools and language and vocabulary that can help you to really fully understand. We don't have to figure this out on our own. I mean, what else can I say? (laughs) Um, But much like uh, the folks here have mentioned, it's all about trying as well, right? And do not be afraid of failure because lives depend on it. Mm. Right. We, we are here to learn together, to be in community, to also work towards liberation. But the thing is, what does liberation look like? What does it look like to be free, to make the best decision for ourselves, to live in a in a community that is safe and healthy? What does that look like? Right. And, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you can't answer this question <laughs> now, it's OK. You are here to learn. Yep. You are here to be in community and to feel inspired because this work, we cannot do it alone That's and it okay. shouldn't be done alone. Yeah. So it all starts with you who's taken the moment to learn from us today and from our organizations, but take this into the communities, into the spaces that you have power in as well, right? Shift that mm-hmm. because what we're recognizing is that when people are turning to us, yeah. we need to Open that door, hold it open, let all of our folks come in on the decision-making table. Because that's honestly, when we talk about how are we going to push policy, how are we going to undo the damage from what SCOTUS decided? Yeah. Right? It's going to take all of us together. Um, So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Yes. We got to build power. We, we got to build, build power, power y'all. It's going to yeah. take all of us for yeah. generations through time yeah. to keep transforming and moving towards the liberation and justice that our people need. Thank y'all. Thank you for grounding folks at the start of this day, talking about the roots and about the sacred work that y'all are up to. I'm so grateful for you. Um, and thanks y'all for listening. We're going to pass it over to Liz to talk about the next hey, breakout. Liz. Come on in, Liz. <laughs>
Um, I just want to say for all of you watching, and if this is new and you're like, I'm learning, I'm, I'm going to be really honest. When I started this movement work, I was one of those people using abortion and reproductive dresses interchangeably. And I saw a panel like this at, at a consortium we belong to called Abortion Care Network. And they did a panel like this. And I, and I learned. And it was Renee who helped me yes. switch out our website and get it going. <laughs> and when I tell you this movement is open, it is no joke. If you're learning, read what they say, but also kind of self-examine about who's sitting around with you today. Because the conversations really come from leadership and people. You know, we all are living in silos sometimes. So think about that. Because in our activism and why it's so important to really like land in the framework is we always marginalize people who have the least amount of resources and the least amount of agency. And the work only starts if those folks are given a leg up. And every time you make a decision about who you want to invite into your activism, how we're going to do it. Ask yourself, is my outreach available to those people? And that's a really good question for you to think about where has it been in the past and where do you want to take it now that you've gotten this information? Also, if you haven't downloaded the toolkit, I do want to like get mad at you because every reproductive, not every, but a big collection of reproductive justice organizations, everybody that you talked about is in that toolkit to follow them, find out their actions and how they're doing it. So you can connect there now. You can't say you didn't know. So Get into your breakout session. If you don't have the toolkit, we're dropping it in now and expand this conversation on reproductive justice. Thank you, panel. Y'all are amazing. You're great. Okay, guys, it's Liz again. How awesome was that panel? Amazing, right? So now it's activity time. Again, the activity guide, if you haven't downloaded it, it's your Bible for the day. Get it now. You can find it in the show notes or at operationsaveabortion.com. The tools in it include discussion prompts so you can give you some things to think about and talk about, some brainstorming questions, and a quick action to help you understand the session's topic a bit more. So have fun in these discussions. Be bold. You are organizers and change makers now, and we're so excited you're participating. So before I go and before you dive in, a couple of things. Make sure you plan for your next listening party before you leave today. It's crucial to stay engaged and hold each other accountable. And also make sure you get vetted so you can really get to the big work. And don't forget, the vetting form is at operationsaveabortion.com and also in the show notes. Lastly, I just want to give thanks to all the panelists and participants in this series who gave their time to make this happen. I want to thank Ted Nelson of USTV and the incredible team he put together who donated their time, the dream team at Abortion Access Front who made this event happen, the volunteers who worked tirelessly and gave up all of their time, and to you for deciding to give of yourself at this crucial moment. You know, we at FBK Live and Abortion Access Front are here for you as we navigate these dark days, and we want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. We are in this together. We got you and we all should have each other. You can continue to support Feminist Buzzkills Live and the special series we do like Operation Save Abortion in a few simple ways. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up with all the latest on reproductive rights news, follow Abortion Access Front on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and at Abortion Access Front on YouTube. YouTube and TikTok. FBK Live is edited by Remy DeTarnay and is a production of Abortion Access Front and MSW Media. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy this series and get the most out of it. And I can't wait to see you out here making a difference in these reproductive streets.